0: Hi, I'm Andrew Tobias. And I'm Steven Goldmeyer. The internet's a weird place. We're gonna show you.
1: Hold on to your butt. Did you see the dramatic reenactment on uh, collegehumor.com of the, the crazy sorority girl yeah, email? I, I was, forget who the actor is, because I'm not, It's you know, Michael
0: Shannon from
1: Take Shelter,
0: and he's playing General Zod in the new Superman movie. Right. Uh, anyway, yeah. It's hilarious. It is very funny.
1: If this email applies to you in any way, meaning if you are a little asswipe that stands in corners at night, or if you're weird shit that does weird shit during the day... This following message is for you.
0: Do not go to tonight's event. I'm not fucking kidding. Don't go. If you there's a couple different celebrities that tried doing it, and his take is the only one that isn't just uh, making fun of this this woman who wrote the email, right? You know, uh, coming from inside of the experience of writing the email, this is a human being, right? A woman who is, like, really upset about something that we all would well, think is a Well, here's innate. the
1: thing about her email, is that it's kind of brilliant. She's very articulate in her craziness, which is obviously the the takeaway that a lot of people are making from it, but I feel like it shows a real flair for obscenity, and, I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's a spark of creativity there that right. I think a lot of people lack, so. Well, but that, okay. I'm but not then, sure that it's all bad.
0: I understand that. Here's the other side of that coin. Uh, her, obviously, after this happened, after she wrote that email and it became public, uh, her Twitter feed surfaced. And, um, Did it? Yes. Oh, I missed that. Yes, and I would recommend looking into it. Is it funny? Uh, no, it's it's racist. It's offensive. Oh, God. It's okay. very bad. <laughs> uh, she's very much like a very privileged, like, white female
1: of from that situation, who... Well, she, she's missing a career of, like, a parody of herself. Maybe. Then, I guess.
0: Yeah. Like, if you look at the way that she talks in that email, you could be like, okay, this is a person who thinks the thing that she's doing is the most important right. thing in the world. But if, if you could
1: conjure That's that, what she well, actually
0: is. Right? So it's not just... It's the Tommy Wiseau effect all over again, right? Uh, that people are always like, it has to be a put-on. This has to be fake. Okay. Right? Well, I'm, <laughs>
1: I, I was just going to say that if she could conjure the, again, that spark that she showed within the email... Yeah. Uh, that that the audience would perceive. If she could conjure that in a self aware fashion, right. um, you know, she could go, she could get not really far right, but mm-hmm. she could kind of you know in her own way uh, do something with that. Although maybe if if she were to be self aware, it might defeat the value that people get out of whatever it is that she's doing.
0: Right. I mean, you know, that to ask self-awareness of somebody in that situation does sort of remove what's so fascinating about it. Which, like I was saying, what's so fascinating about it is, there's not even a little bit of remorse to her talking about you know, uh, people ass-kissing the, the fraternity down the block as the most important thing they'll ever do in their lives. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, at the end she talks about if you can't just like, if you can't be cool at these events I don't know how you made it this far in life. Right. right? That would not be there in the self-aware version of what she's doing because that requires a lack of self-awareness but she could just
1: like if she could conjure that and like write that as a character in something else right like wet hot american summer or something <laughs> like that um yeah the, it'd the be uh, funny character be funny yeah. as hell yeah
0: it would be funny it's not easy to do i can you think of anybody that started as the real version of themselves and then became not
1: a one yeah
0: that's not how that works usually.
1: no i think i think ultimately <laughs> she's she's you know Regardless of whether or not she's a racist and whether or not she's a put on or whatever, you know she's she's already kind of peaked, and it's hard to
0: yeah
1: to really follow that up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop my awesome internet thing that I was reading about this. Yes. CNN.com, right? The the being the paragon of all Whoa. that is awesome about media right now.
0: <laughs> Underground indie <laughs> CNN.com, but,
1: you know, so they're uh, they're really with it guy who likes to cut a rug and, and blog about other blogs <laughs> in his blog posts, um, was writing about other stuff uh, where people became infamous for their you know inadvertently publicly broadcasted private communications. And um, so it was the girl who wanted to work for the San Diego Padres, and so she applied to them like 30 times, and finally they offered her, as part of her rejection letter, a... Invitation to attend what totally isn't a job fair, but you can pay five hundred dollars and talk to really important executives within the industry, and they can talk to you about job opportunities. Blah blah blah. And so uh, it's like a fantasy camp more than a job. It's fair. It's a job fair. No, it just <laughs> it, within the you know within the description of this job fair, they swear they're not a job fair, Interesting. but that's it's kind of like being a hipster. You know, where if you talk about not being a hipster, then there's a really good chance that you are one. <laughs> so. But she said, you know, within there, in a really erudite kind of way, you know, well, I appreciate the offer, but I'd like to extend you a counteroffer. I'd like you to suck my dick. And the rest of it is not as funny because she immediately goes into why that's anatomically impossible, which, you know, kind of ruins <laughs> it. Right, how you it. explain
0: the joke afterwards. As it. a
1: headline, it's hilarious, you yeah. know. Um, so with her, you know, she she kind of has to acknowledge, and she does within her website, you know, how... I've written this children's book, and I've got this, you know, degree, and I think, like, her LinkedIn profile, as I know, because I just looked this up, is in Korean, which I'm sure there's a story behind that, Hmm. Um, or maybe there's not, but... Is she Korean? No, no, she's a white girl, so Hmm. maybe, you know, she may have gone to Korea, or maybe she just made her LinkedIn page in Korean, because that's, you know, she's just that kind of crazy and wild person, but anyways, so she just rattles through all these things that she may or may not have done, but, but also therein... she'd be really missing an opportunity to not point out that she was this kind of, like, um, you know, mild cultural phenomenon, I guess, for a bit. And so, you know, she'd be remiss in not trying to capitalize on that, but she kind of has to say, well, it's kind of weird that, you know, I've done all this stuff, but I became internationally acclaimed for telling some guy to suck my dick, you know, in a job interview, and thus burning a bridge with, you know, 95% of the field that I was trying to get into at the time. But then again, I mean, she also did become like this um, kind of countercultural hero within, you know, the the sports world, which in the professional sports world is stuff like arena football. So it's not like, um, you know, it's no <laughs> punk rock or anything like that. But, um, but still, so regardless, she's kind of peaked. And so I think that she has this conflict of do I acknowledge this thing that makes me this really mediocre kind of successful? Or do I, you know, ignore it and thus... Just become like an, a boring person. Remain that... as uninteresting as right. she was when she couldn't get exactly. jobs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a real pickle.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and uh that question of like when somebody becomes sort of like an internet folk hero, right? Like JetBlue guy, right? The the JetBlue flight attendant who right That's quit his job example. and like went down the the emergency chute. There's something aspirational about seeing these stories. There's something uh, escapist about seeing these stories, where somebody, like, finally does the thing that we wish we could do, right? Um, and then someone becomes famous for doing this thing that a bunch of people wish they could it's do. It's a good way to become famous. Yeah, it's a good way to become famous for one thing only once,
1: yeah. you know? Alternatively, the guy who, uh, who swore and got fired from the North Dakota television station... Dreams in Motion organization has a fun time for the disabled. A deadly avalanche kills five in Colorado. You're watching the evening Sunday on NBC North Dakota News, your news leader in high definition. Gay fucking shit.
0: Good evening, I'm Van Chu. You may have seen our newest
1: The idea of somebody having like a really bad day at like their first day at job and being like the like the you know, the idiot who completely messes up, you know, basically as the guy actually ended up tweeting after the fact something about like, uh, tripping over his shoes on the way in, like, walking in the door or whatever. Um, yeah. So, so that guy didn't really, you know, nobody really aspires to get fired from, from their job, you know, immediately by dropping an F-bomb, like, literally within, you know, half of a second of, of starting work, um, or at least, you know, being on, on air in his case. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I think there are a lot of people who are sympathetic to what that might feel like. You know, and everybody, that- you know, worked at McDonald's and accidentally... You know, um, uh, fried somebody's boogers and served it to someone. I don't know. That kind of seems kind of uh. fun <laughs> and really specific. Yeah, that is kind
0: of specific. <laughs> so let's talk a little about the jobs you used to have. Uh,
1: <laughs> anyway. I don't know, but you know, you know I, what I, mean. I
0: know what you're saying. I think though the the problem with thinking of it that way is that the guy who swears his first day in the office. We all see, you know, like when we see that clip and then see the tweet or whatever afterwards, we realize he didn't die. Right? No, he's famous, now. and he's he's famous now. So he, and he's on Letterman. He, he is a lot
1: more like a folk hero. But there, he, I guess there's still these negative experiences, though, that people can also relate to.
0: What uh, you know, I've heard before that. Um, uh, I don't remember where or when, but the idea of, of like how you how you create comedy is you have a situation where like the reason that people laugh and the reason that, that this nervous reaction of laughter happens in these kinds of situations is you see something bad happen to somebody and then you're saved from the badness knowing that it's not real or the person's fine afterward right so it's the difference between a skateboarding video where somebody lands crotch first on like a Mm -hmm. handrail and a skateboarding video where someone lands crotch first on a handrail falls off and starts laughing right the second one is funny to not i mean not to me but you know what i mean uh whereas the first one is just like oh shit somebody just got hurt um, and also funny to people, and who, also funny to some people, know, right? The sickos out there, right? But but the idea is like the the quote unquote nervous laughter that is triggered comes from knowing that everybody's fine, everything's fine, mm-hmm. right? And that's why this this uh, this video of this guy uh, swearing his first day on the job is, is funny, is because we know he didn't die, you know, and he got
1: fired, but yeah, he'll find well, another job, and even before that happened, you know, before you can see some of the success that he's kind of reaping from yeah. it. You know, I mean, you could, you could kind of see, well, this guy's going viral and he's in media, so that can't be a bad thing for right. him. I mean, right. he'll still, like, potentially always be the guy who became famous for dropping an F-bomb, you know? Right. Uh, and the, the fact that he's in North Dakota, I think, makes it funnier, you know what I mean? And, like, whatever. But, but he can still, I, I think he could bounce back from that. I don't know. What do you think? Is, is, that, is that a good or a bad thing for him long term? Uh, long term, it can't be anything but a good
0: thing if anybody hires him, they get to say, look who we hired, right? Like, uh, that,
1: that that TV station could hire him back and it'd be the most interesting thing that they've ever done in their their existence. Exactly
0: what I'm saying. Yes. Like that. There's, um, it makes no sense to hire a homeless person to become the announcer for a mac and cheese company. (laughs) Unless he's also the homeless person who became famous the week before. You know what I mean? Like there there is um it gives any company an incentive to to have him on their payroll and have him as part of their team. Whereas there was no incentive to do that before except for him like whatever, being good or bad at his job, which we actually have no idea.
1: (laughs) He seemed kind of bad, but he also, you (laughs) know, could just be super nervous. We only saw
0: one instance of his conduct and it was a bad one. That's the only reason, yeah. All right. Well, uh, our next topic is going to be the uh, the bombing that happened in Boston uh, A couple, not too long ago And uh, we wanted to talk about this one sooner rather than later um, it, it feels like this is, strangely, even though it's such a big event Something that's not going to be relevant forever it's Something that, surprisingly,
1: uh, might be uh, um, Totally yeah DOA Pretty soon Yeah Although,
0: It's not going to be Not worth talking and that's, about that's,
1: So there's there's something Weird about that Right Like so there's this You know we, We've talked about this before um, There's this accelerated Lifespan that Things on the internet Kind of live and die under You know Whereas um, People didn't really Have choices about Things to talk about Before right Like there's just So much stuff And people are so Moving from one thing To the next That it's like Don't tase me bro And everybody says it And then it's on a t-shirt Like a week later And everybody's sick of it By then And there's this guy With like you know tons and tons of t-shirts and then somebody ends up sewing them together into a raft like in some third world country or something like that. So it's and it's weird to view citation needed. Right. So something like that, right? So this this whole um this whole Boston Marathon bomber thing and it's it's sad, but it's, it's a social media experience. Um now there's this really long criminal justice process that has to play out. You know, there's really serious kind of research that the media is going to do these people's backgrounds. There's going to be political conversations and like um, talking about how, how did this happen? You know, we're going to find out that Obama messed it all up or, you know, Fox News is going to tell us that Obama messed it all up even if he didn't over and over again or something. It's, it's just going to go through this um, it's going to be funneled into this thing, and it's going to come out the bottom, and it's going to be as slow as it ever would have been. People can't choose. Oh, I'm tired of this trial. Let's just cut it short. You know, like there, there's this obviously this IRL thing that exists distinct of the internet, right? Well, yeah.
0: I would say something in response to that, okay. which is it's important to, to put this in the context of the social media experience, right? Because, like, if you look at uh, the Aurora shooter, for instance, right, that's not a thing people talk about anymore. On, on the internet. That's a thing that's on the news and people are right. watching things happen on the news but people are not talking about it anymore. So the fact that it's a slow IRL process, no one cares anymore. It's already over. So to a certain extent, the Aurora shooter is Rebecca Black, right? It does not last very long. He's famous for a very short amount of time on the internet and then it's gone. And now he's famous in other ways, right? Because he's going to get, you know, whatever, a death sentence, he's a crazy person, et cetera, et cetera, and all that's, you know, or the, or the, the Chardon shooter who, like, like wrote on his shirt all that horrible stuff
1: excuse me chardon char, char, chardon yeah char, chardon isn't, isn't that like a bitter herb or a pokemon or something yeah okay <laughs> Pokemon. go ahead excuse me pokemon <laughs> no, i don't know <laughs> Anyway. I've never known how you pronounce that accent. The yeah. little apostrophe thing. Uh, anyway,
0: that you know that that guy becomes a story for the internet again only when he does something new that's interesting. Right? He's not a story for internet consumers anymore. That's all. It, he's all of a sudden a legacy old media kind of story, and the new media is not interested anymore. And maybe that has to do with how social media responds to these things. But you know, I don't think it's right to say like. There's any connection between the IRL long form process and the way the internet yeah. Well,
1: this. eventually though, there's not going to be that that binary distinction between yeah. this is this is old media and this is new media. So it's not like our trials are going to suddenly become, you know, forty five minutes to an hour or right. something, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's uh, I imagine what's going to happen to some extent is that just our media is going to mature
0: what what might end up happening is we might realize that society is not actually interested in the long form story right and the reason society was interested in the long form story was because it would be newspaper headlines and there would be just that one thing to think about because it would be the thing that would be shown to them
1: yeah day. well that really concerned to me though if like that's you know how if we decide that you know we we let people kind of drive the bus like that that Suddenly, you know, we're not going to get all this important stuff that helps us actually build some kind of context instead of something that's going to distract us, you know, for a few days until we get tired of it.
0: Arguably, at least, uh, the the uh, day-by-day stuff that happens at these trials is you're right, you could think of it as the context of something, but you could also think of it as just little bursts of, you know, one bit of attention, the same way that the internet works now, right? So, like, oh, you know, such and such witness said such and such surprising thing. You could look at it as being the context of this whole story, or you could look at being the next step in the sensationalized chain of steps. Um, the delivery mechanism is different because now it's the internet and there's actually more interesting stuff so we don't have to worry about this guy anymore. There's other guys doing other stuff now. So, you know, the fact that that it's quote-unquote important that you can't hear finger quotes over a microphone. <laughs> Uh, that that it's quote-unquote important, Um, you know, it maybe is uh, just because of us being told it's important by newspapers. You know, and now the internet would say it's not important. What's important is there's this new thing happening. Yeah. Or there's this global thing happening. And that really bothers me, but... Yeah. I don't know why, though. That's, that's, I guess, what I'm getting at, right? Like, you know, if... if, if
1: uh, it'd be like if, if the world were run by puppies, then we'd either be, you know, for, the, for one five seconds, we'd be chasing our tails, and for the other five seconds, we'd be, you know, eating our own butts or whatever. But
0: my argument would be before the newspaper saying, hey, look at this tail, now look at this butt. But now we get to find our own tails and butts. <laughs> And the reason that you think the former version of Tails and Butts was important is because it's older, and it's part of what looks more important, which is old media. So that was the first part of our Boston bombing uh, section. And in the the next part, Tobias is going to talk a little bit about uh, something that he saw on the internet that he thought was kind of strange.
1: This is a weird moment that bothered me out of this whole ordeal, but... And it says something about how things kind of enter into the the psychological consciousness. Uh, I think we all dealt with the actual bombing, like real human beings, even, you know, pre-internet. There's still people sharing pictures and stuff, but like, you know, it was still this thing that we all felt on a real like visceral level, or at least by we, I mean like people, you know, like you or I. And then as time went on, you know, I I think people were, it became more like a movie again, where people were, were consuming this as a pop culture story. And for instance, as they were all out, the, the the cops were trying to chase them, and that story was developing. Um, after they caught the guy, there you know you see the images of people cheering everywhere, like okay, we got him, like let's let's play our baseball game now, which is almost literally what happened. In addition to that, this kid was uh, supposedly or allegedly in the boat. Um, that's where they found him. Then some idiot on the internet registered the Twitter handle as you know Watertown boat, you know, and it's like somebody registering Marco Rubio's bo- bottle of water or. Uh, uh, Clint Eastwood's chair. You know, people started uh, consuming it like it's this this pop culture thing, and I think it totally makes light of you know what people were feeling just a few days ago, which is this human tragedy. Uh, there's a police state in Boston, you know, which is really troubling in some ways and really impressive in other ways. You know, when people break things down into being this. Again, like they're watching this detached movie that they have no no experience with. I really, I concern, I get concerned about what that means for the human condition. It's good that people relate to stuff and they have access to information that they want in real time. And there's some really good stuff that came out of it, but I, I just worry that with, with this new um, way that we consume information, that it, that it creates this like extra layer of cynicism. We start viewing everything through this postmodern lens, or at least amplifying that um, that experience that we've been building up for a long time. Um, and I don't, I don't know what that means. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's a... Yeah, I can tell you don't
0: know what it means. There, there's I a way to come to out of it. you to explain to me why it's such a bad thing, right? Because you're, you're asserting that it's a bad thing that this is happening. But I'd like an explanation as to why it's a bad thing. Because it's different. It's certainly different than the way that this has been going, Uh, you know, and and I'll I'll stop stop myself before I say too much about how it's different because it maybe isn't. We don't have a lot of proof that people weren't making these kinds of jokes in, you know, like the graffiti in Pompeii seems to suggest that things that were very serious also got this kind of dumb treatment in, you know... Uh, the turn of the millennium right like way back at the year zero so there there's not a lot to be said for it's definitely different a but b there's also I need some proof that it's bad before I can get on board with that uh,
1: it, it's it's the at least the stereotype which is you know certainly not true but where uh, people become so invested in their in the way that we interact with people on the internet and, and so forth that we become disconnected from like our fellow, fellow human beings who are with us right now and right here and stuff like that. So. I I feel like this is probably pretty flimsy because I don't have much to say. It's super flimsy.
0: That's the problem: is that everybody keeps assuming that an internet connection is less of a connection than an offline connection, and people keep assuming that uh, you know a a pop cultural experience relating to something is somehow like a less of an experience than what you might call like the visceral, like uh, emotional experience, right? Like arguably, the emotional experience of the uh, the September 11th attack is people saying let's, kill the bastards. Let's start a war. Let's do something about it. And the pop cultural experience is, you know, oh my god, they're checking our shoes now and like we're dealing with this problem that's been vested upon us, right? So the psychological response that's been more useful as a coping mechanism for us as an American society has certainly not been the Iraq War. It's been the pop cultural experience associated with it. So the assertion that there's something purer and better about the offline emotional experience of the bombing better—that's uh, it, it better that's better than than the pop cultural social online experience. Saying that one's better than the other makes no sense. Yeah.
1: Well and I and I think it was more so something that just struck me in the moment as being weird. And it was dumb of that guy to register, right? Like in, in Why a way though? that uh I, I think it makes light of a lot of like the really um, important things that are happening. And and maybe maybe it's just not, if nothing else, you know, it makes me comfortable uncomfortable to juxtapose it with, again, Marco Rubio's water bottle or uh, did, did people follow this Twitter account? Yeah, I'm, people I'm think sure people funny? did I didn't, I didn't follow back on so it So then
0: what's your job to tell those people that it shouldn't be funny to them That it's making light Why does that fall to you to do that?
1: I get that it feels weird to It you. feels weird, and that's, I that's all that. I can say about
0: it. I get that. Now, all, all, I'm, all I'm here to do is say, I understand it feels weird, but so does like uh, watching television on an Xbox instead of over, ca- <laughs> over cable. I'm not kidding, right? Uh, so does typing a letter instead of handwriting it. That right. feels weird, too. Um, but no one's going to say that it's killing society, uh, that we type our letters instead of handwrite. Well, people do say that, but they're not right. That, that's, that's my voice in this, right? I get that it feels weird, and I think our job as a society is to figure out, A, why it feels weird, and B, if that weirdness is a sign of something bad or just a sign of something different. Um, in this case, like I said, a case could be made that registering that boat account on Twitter is a way of dealing with the absurdity of somebody like this kid who didn't know what else to do, who had no idea what to do to try and save his, his ass from these, these cops just dove into a boat, the only place he could think of. And that's crazy and absurd and a little sad. And maybe the only way to deal with that is to try and make this joke. And I don't think it's a funny joke. I don't think it's that funny, but I don't think it's insensitive. You know, I don't think it's too soon. I don't think it's making light. Insensitive too soon and making light are all vocabulary that I don't think have anything to do with uh, conversations about comedy. You know? Right. So... That's that's all uh, that you know. That's what that when I see something like that, it strikes you as feeling weird, and it strikes me as feeling exactly the way it. Sh- that's exactly what should be happening, you know. And if it's not funny and it fails, good, right? Because I don't think it's funny. But if it is funny and it succeeds, then it says more about like how are people finding a healthy way of coping than it does about like people are shielding themselves from whatever. People have been shielding themselves forever, but now they're doing it as a group in a way that might actually be more healthy. Right. We just don't know. So.
1: Whereas people used to do it quietly in the comfort of their own...
0: Right. And just, yeah. you know, like the the days after the September 11th attacks, we, there are all these like editorial cartoons and these articles about people that are just like in a comatose, numb state just sitting in front of their televisions, right? And the people sitting in front of their televisions are having a, a worse experience of 9-11 than the people looking at those cartoons. And the cartoons are the pop cultural shared experience. Yeah. Whereas the alone scaredness of sitting in front of CNN is, in that case, was the bad thing and could be here too i'm not here to say it's the right like i know what the solution is to this problem but there's certainly something to be said for the healing process of the pop cultural quote-unquote experience of this bombing being maybe something good So that was our second segment in our Boston bombing discussion, and in this third part of our discussion, we're going to talk about what happens when Reddit tries to beat the FBI to solving the mystery of who perpetrated this uh, this act.
1: I I read something on a a journalism blog that I follow where they uh, somebody really relished the experience of where these two redditors or these two Reddit posters, anyway, said. Uh, take that FBI, like, we really know what we're doing, and they did a little victory lap around the wrong conclusion, right? So I, I think that somebody really wants to find that information that affirms, like, yeah, look at these guys. They don't know what they're doing, you know? But I, what do you think about that whole thing?
0: I think that it's, uh, it makes perfect sense that in the age where there was so much data available, so many pictures and videos and things that were happening, it makes perfect sense that people want to construct a narrative um, to try and explain things. But I, my argument would be that people's trying to construct a narrative by finding the guilty person in this sea of photographs is the same thing as people just making up stories from the limited data that they have in their own houses, right? So, you know, post 9-11, it was people saying, like, those, you know, those dirty Afghanis, like, and all these other whatever, just, just naming people and being really racist about which people they're naming based off of very limited data, that narrative construction process, uh, is is it comes from the same instinct, and it's the same thing that's happening when somebody says, "Look at this guy with the white baseball cap; that must be the guy." So it's the same instinct that leads to both, but the way it manifests is different only because of the amount of data. And I think both are dangerous, right? Getting to any sort of conclusion or feeling good like you've solved something is is a dangerous thing. And I get there's there's something healthy in trying to build a narrative, um, uh, but the most important thing that happens on these Reddit forums is eventually somebody. Posts. Oh wait, we were wrong all along, right? That's the important last step. Is the people that are building these narratives need to be told you were never right, and they need to you know reconcile their wrong conclusions? Is, with is there
1: collateral damage when they're wrong though? Like I mean, you know, the the, the best example of that was again like so it was the legacy media's fault, but those uh, those two that kid and his his track coach or whatever ended up on the front page of the New York Post, yeah, and it, something that more or less you know. Whether it started and ended with Reddit, who knows, yeah. but, you know, it's it's that's still somebody that Reddit picked out, mm-hmm. right? You know, so you can make the argument that, like, well, you know, we voted it up and then we voted it back down, and that's kind of, you know, that's what the internet does, where yeah. it, it eventually, you know, I think that the wrong ideas are generally crowded out, unless it's, you know, really specific kinds of porn. But anyways... Um... <laughs> That notwithstanding, well, then
0: who's to say that's the wrong idea? <laughs> right,
1: that's another conversation <laughs> for another time. But uh, yeah, but on the other hand, there's there still is this interim period where you know before before the, the the horde you know sets it right, there's this kid who has to hide in his basement or whatever. Now I, that I think it that is, he's been identified as a terrorist.
0: I think it is important to remember that the reason that guy had to hide is the New York Post, not Reddit. So you, the, sort, of, you re- sort
1: of in Reddit it was like in this ephemera, right? You sort or? of glossed
0: over it, but it's it's more than it's just in the ephemera. It's that it's in the context of Reddit. Where uh, you know, uh, everything is a, gets a grain of salt, uh, you know, everybody on Reddit knows what they're there for. And if somebody stumbles into Reddit who doesn't use Reddit goes, what are all these little arrows for? I don't know what any of this stuff means. Oh, look at those photos of these guys. They must be guilty. You know It's when a cultural outsider comes into the culture of Reddit and says, "You guys seem to have figured it out, I think Reddit would be the first people to say, "Don't put that on your front page. Right. We think that's it, but do not put this on your front page." There were you know, when I was on that forum, because you know, I'm, I I like to actually dig into this kind of like my brother calls it slumming, where you right. you get into the muck of whatever like whatever counterproductive waste of time thing it is. And in this case, I spent a lot of time looking at these threads on Reddit, and you know, fully maybe a quarter of them were threads saying, "Remember, don't take any action, don't put any real information on these threads, don't do any of these things. This is just us doing armchair stuff." If you have something you think is a real tip, bring it to the FBI, not your neighbor, and not the news, right? Because we're not the FBI. We can't give real information. So, I mean, I, that's, that's my take on it, is, like, the, the results of this whole—the the bad aspects of this come from a misunderstanding of the Internet subculture, right. the Internet community. Well,
1: now that we've gotten through all of that, I think the Internet did a good job um it you know uh, i think it connected people to a situation a lot more closely than they would have been otherwise and so you know whereas you can say you know, uh, technology uh, uh, makes these distances between us. I think it actually, you know, it really closed those distances in a really unique way. I, I think knowing that everybody's watching in real time kind of holds everybody more accountable, be it the reporters who are who are telling the story and sharing it with people, if it's, it's the investigators who are running around and doing their thing, or if it's the police um, who are, you know, trying to control the scene and stuff like that. Uh, it, and maybe it's just because they were able to wrap up the investigation so quickly, just feels that way again, where we can just like, you know on, on a monday we can feel bad and then on a wednesday we can feel excited and then on a saturday we can feel triumphant maybe it just happens to fit in this little bookend where it's just a convenient way that this happened but you know at, at least you'd like to think that the, the fact that more people are watching and that that more people care um and more people are engaged that people are going to be at their best behavior maybe or maybe not Right, I would
0: argue maybe not. Uh, I invented a story about how this Boston bombing showed the best of social media. None of the examples included like the investigation and all that stuff. It was people who went out of their way to say, like people who have no hotel to go to in Boston come stay at our house, and people that ran to give blood and stuff like that, and this was all documented using social media. And I think that's the good stuff. But all the bad stuff that we see happen as a result of this, of anything that's happened here, comes from... You know, CNN or the AP reporting something that isn't true because they just heard it on the internet somewhere, right? That's, you know, in in most of the problems that resulted in this situation from the internet's involvement were legacy media reporting on the internet, uh, you know not, not the internet making the wrong conclusions, uh, or you know to a certain extent, right like i don 't know if it 's fair to call the AP legacy media when they 're breaking these stories on their Twitter account, right but, but to a certain extent it 's this entrenched idea of like like journalists that want to get the story first, and that kind of stuff is not giving us any of this good information, but then human beings who want to be able to just talk to each other, posting pictures and things like that, those are the people that got the story. The, the human aspect of the story the most correct so yeah all right yeah all right so uh, what next what's next is our link of the week the thing that we found on the internet that we thought was interesting or cool that we wanted to share with everybody so tobias you get to go first
1: uh, so I want to say my link of the week was definitely the uh, the story about the crazy sorority girl from Maryland who had the uh, really articulate and vulgar the email that she sent out to her sorority girls, and we already talked about that.
0: If you just open this like I told you to, tie yourself down to whatever chair you're sitting in because this email is going to be a rough fucking ride. So, Stephen, what about you? My link of the week as a tribute to uh, uh, the late and... Excellent, 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 very great Roger Ebert. Uh, at Roger Ebert's, uh, I mean, it wasn't really a memorial service for him. It was this year's Ebert Fest. Um, his his wife came out and was talking, and then she brought out a special guest at Ebert Fest, Tilda Swinton. And if you've been paying attention to the the media and the internet recently, Tilda Swinton has had a ridiculous resurgence in the culture as like an important figure in modern art and performance art. Stop. Who Hammer is,
1: time who, No 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 Who is this person I don't even Tilda know Swinton is.
0: Yeah Oh man okay uh, She was in um, she, She's an actress She's mostly an actress Okay But she was a performance artist Before that Okay uh, Tilda Swinton is an actress Who uh, she was in We Need to Talk About Kevin She was in a couple of Recently she's been in A couple of movies And she uh, started as uh, Sort of a, a performance artist And has become A relatively mainstream actress Okay So at Ebert Apparently she's been a guest At Ebert Fest before And when she came out this time Um, She said as a tribute to Roger Ebert They were going to have an impromptu dance party And so they put on a Barry White song And uh, everybody in the auditorium danced For like five minutes Mm -hmm. And it's just so heartwarming, right? Because Roger Ebert was, above all else, a human being And who who got stuff wrong uh, But also had very human opinions about things Like, I liked this, I didn't like this I was taken, uh, I was swept away by this I was distracted by this, whatever Very human ways of talking about movies And a very human celebration of his life There was a dance party at Ebert With a Fest. bunch of people who probably
1: couldn't even dance
0: Well, yeah, it doesn't matter if they can dance It's just the act of dancing Yeah Okay, so it's great. It's a great video, and everyone should watch it. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been. Hold, Hold on, on to your, your butts. butts. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for um, making us um you know, a thing that you did. You could have easily not done that. <laughs> Now, like, we have to think about what each
1: of those segments is going to look like. This conversation, for instance, would be terrible for people to listen to, I think.
0: Yeah, we're going to make them listen to it anyway, <laughs> though. So, because fuck those guys. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop this. Okay. Okay.